What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. The horn is going. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a someplace they play football. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Don't let you make play against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richards and breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Tom, that just felt good, right? Man, we can just hit play from last week's podcast, man. Who who would have thunk that, you know, we we topped last week's uh, 59-point showing and uh, put up 66 points. And, you know, for a while there in the third quarter, man, I thought we actually might actually break 70. There was a chance, but uh, I think uh, when we started trying to run out the clock with five minutes left, Coach was pretty intentional on not letting that happen. No, it, it seemed like he really started slowing the day, uh, the game down, you know, about halfway through the third quarter when they scored, you know, they scored 24 points in the third quarter, and he kind of let the, you know, the twos kind of do their thing. But, you know, literally with about three minutes left in the third quarter when we, when we put up that, you know, 59 points, there, there wasn't much offensive firepower uh, that he let uh, that he unleashed for the rest of the game. No, there really wasn't. And you know, I caught during the uh, the college game day just a quick interview, you know, that the crew had, or uh, you know, one of the reporters had with with Saban, and he made the comment and and just the coy way that that he said it. I thought, man, something might be on today. But uh, he said, you know, we're playing an Ole Miss team that uh, they believe they can play with us. And it's been, you know, four years since we've really beat them in a way that uh, that we want to. And that's something that, you know, we need to go out and establish that identity today. And and I thought, man, that just sounds like somebody that knows what's about to happen. I <laughs> I tell you, I, I thought we'd beat them, but I 66 points to to three. And I, and I almost kind of snickered uh, during the game. First opportunity that Ole Miss had, are they going to go for it? Are they going to kick Man, first opportunity they had to get the zero off the off the board. They went for it. Kick it, kick it, kick it. Yeah, it was. You you would have thought that they would have kind of just maybe just kind of taken more chances. You know, Hugh Freeze was all about the gimmick plays and all about the misdirection. And you know, we we've seen some very frustrating games in years past where we've turned over the ball five times and barely lost. And you know, remember the year where you know we had the deflected pass and the guy runs it sixty yards for a touchdown or. The deflection and the quarterback, you know, Chad Kelly, you know, gets the ball again and, and heaves it. I mean, there's been some really quirky things in this series in the past two or three years. This was this was more back to what we're used to when Alabama plays Ole Miss. Yeah, it really was. I mean, some of that uh, that that talent that they had rolled in and you know, bought and paid for might be uh, proven by the NCAA. You know, when that talent sort of passes through and and sort of the coaching. Uh, staff has sort of burned out. They're welcome for lots of uh, lots of reasons. They do, they kind of regress to the mean, right? That was kind of fun to watch. 
It was fun to watch, but you know, this was a definite, you know, this was a different style of Ole Miss play under the new coaching staff, obviously, versus versus the the former guys. They they just didn't run the same type of tempo on offense. They didn't seem to take the same chances. They didn't seem to spread the ball around, you know, try to stretch the field. They they really seemed a little bit more conservative in their play calling. Right. Right. Well, take us to offense. What did uh, what stood out to you from the Alabama offense? You know, I think the first thing that kind of jumped out at me is just how many different guys are getting opportunities to play. And maybe that, you know, maybe that didn't jump out to me in the first quarter, but sometime, you know, in the third quarter, you know, on one particular uh, drive, you know, you see three or four different tailbacks come in. And, you know, you see Josh Jacobs catching a pass down the field and Bo's catching a ball in the flats and, you know, they're, they're, they're handing, they're, they're handing off the ball to, to one of the, to one of the two true freshmen, just the, just all the weapons that they have. And, and, and I think they've had weapons and, you know, they've obviously have had a lot of weapons in years past, but it, it doesn't seem to me like Saban has ever really used as many guys this early. And so when you when you see Najee Harris and you see Brian Robinson and you see the three freshman wide receivers, I mean, you know, you and I remember a time when, when you know, back in two thousand eight, you know, three five star guys are on the sideline and they can't see the field, and 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 you you know they're they're not there, and um, you know they're they're waiting for their opportunities to play, and you know either these guys are just maturing so much quicker either just what they're doing scheme-wise at the high school level, uh, coming in early from graduation, combination of all of those. But we're just seeing a lot of guys participate, and I, and I think it just makes it even that much more difficult for a defensive coordinator that's facing us. It, it really it – re- you're spot on, and, and you're sort of reading my notes. That's because I wanted to talk about, you know, sort of the efficiency and, and – uh, uh, effectiveness of the offense and and how many times you know and and you know we've been talking on the podcast for you know a number of years now but we've talked about being able to be multiple and having a lot of weapons and those are the types of things that the coaches talked about and we've always been able to sort of rattle off the the players but it's always kind of been at been you know at the end of the day that there's one stud receiver and one stud running back and then you know maybe a third guy this team, you know, you could still say that Calvin Ridley's the stud receiver. I don't know who you would necessarily call the stud running back, uh, you know, because the distribution is is pretty pronounced. But we but we do distribute the ball. It's like it's you know it's like Hertz is is almost you know a point guard who who is distributing the ball. I mean, they were you know two quarterbacks, but there were eight ball carriers. There were nine different receivers, you know, a running back, two tight ends. You know, we've had as many as three running backs catch the ball. And so they're all recognized as as weapons and options. Uh, and, and it, you know, and so when, when the offense rolls out on to the, onto the field, it's not it, it's not just fanboy to say that the defense doesn't know what's coming. Literally – they don't know what's coming because so many, you know, it's you can't take away a skill guy, right? You can't say whether there's five still skill guys, but Alabama's going to go to only two or three of them. No, on any given play, we might go to any of the five. 
and and we can go from five wide to three wide to two tight ends to you know I think I think we had some formation where we had two running backs in, and and so any sort of blended combination of skill personnel, there's no there's never an opportunity to discount one of them you know getting the ball. Derek Keefe had a big catch, and he might be someone that that you might sort of put on that list, but. Who do you who do you who do you not defend? Right, you can't not defend uh, every, everyone at risk of there being a big play, and it's like that play after play after play. And you have to think that as the and, and we see this right as the offense sort of gets rolling, it rolls downhill, and it's harder and harder for a defense to to recover and 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 and, and sort of keep up with that relentless style of of attack. No, it is, man. But you know, there was there was one particular, you know, like I said in that third quarter when you were when you were watching, you know, all the different guys that were rotating in, you know, the these defensive coordinators in the film room, right, with their guys, they're they're not getting a chance to go through all these guys and talk about all these players and you know and, and what all these guys can and what all these guys can bring to the table. And you know what, what has happened in the last two weeks. Don't get me wrong; I understand that 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 obviously, you know, from a talent level, there's a disparity between these, you know, Alabama and these last two programs. You know, apparently, right now on the field, but you know, against Vandy, you know, you had you had 66 carries, and you averaged seven and a half yards. This week you had 51 carries and you averaged 7.2 yards. You had you had seven guys who averaged over four yards a carry running the ball. Seven different guys. I mean, you just don't see that in, in college football in this day and age. And and Saban's been known for for having a committee of two or three running backs going back to his LSU days. Right. I'm just sitting here as as I'm sitting here looking at the stats and I'm like, you know, Najee had seven carries and Brian Robinson had seven and 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 Josh by he only had two carries, but he made the most of them, right? 51 right. yards. Yeah, he and did. So and so it's just it's very interesting because right now, you know, what's been great the last two weeks, David, is it's kept uh it's kept Jalen from running the ball, yep. which you know I don't want to see. And so two weeks ago he had nine carries, still averaged five yards a carry. And then this week he has 10, 10 carries. And from a health standpoint, um, you know, who knows what's happening behind the scenes? Like, I wish I could be a fly on the wall. But if these guys are truly buying in to this, then it's less wear and tear on their body during the season, right? They're all fresher. They're all getting to contribute. They're having lots of success. This could really bode well for this for this team as they, you know, get later past the bye week and – and and other teams are starting to run out of gas because they've been running two running backs all season. Right. You know, I think I, I think you make a good point there, right? Because Jalen as a weapon is no less of a weapon. And he's no less capable at any moment of taking down the ball, right? And so you can't you can't ignore him, but you still have to guard everyone else. And at some point that is gonna, you know, continue to stretch the defense. If you continue to distribute the ball, and and there's going to be some 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 kind of up and down, right? And Calvin Ridley is the most talented, and so if he has a couple more catches than someone else, I mean that's okay. But it's not a spike; it's just a bump, right? In in the stats. And so if you have that, does a couple things, and you're you're spot on, right? It doesn't wear out any one player, 
it doesn't make any one player the focal point of the defense. If one player gets hurt, it doesn't, and I'm not rooting for injury, but it doesn't, it doesn't take the life out of the offense because you just redistribute, you know, that, that offense. And I find myself guilty of this. And, and I wonder if opposing players do uh, in some respects as well. You look at the opposing team and you look at their stats. Oh, this guy only has, you know, 18 catches on the season. I don't have to worry about him, but well, wait a second. They've got seven guys with 18 catches on the season, right? You know, they apparently they are all dangerous, and and it's the it's not the individual as much as it. And I don't want to I, I don't want to say system offense, but it's not the individual, but it is the distribution of the ball is what gets dangerous. And um, I think that, I think you're onto something that the the players will. Damn, there's just so many of them that, you know, they won't be wore down and they will not be, you know, who do you take away? Who do you take away? Okay, when we try to, you know, try to take away Calvin, okay, that would make sense. Who do you take away next? And then who do you take away next? And and then how many people does that leave that that can beat you? Because we haven't had, you know, like a big explosive day from a tight end yet. And that's coming, right? And so, okay, take away the outside. That's fine. We're gonna we're, we're gonna throw the ball to you know to Irv Smith, and and you know we're gonna have you know a tight end's gonna have a six or seven catch day, you know, for 80, 90 yards. That's a, you know that is what the offense is still capable of doing, and we haven't seen it. And that's just another dynamic that's out there. It's coming. Oh sure, and 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 I don't know if the you know I don't know if the off if the new offensive coordinator has you know something to you know to to do with this. Uh, you know, as far as as far as the ball getting distributed around as much as it is, but you know, from a from a recruiting standpoint, just briefly, we've talked about this before, but you know, for just the listeners, you know, if you're a Brian Robinson, you're like, I'm so damn glad I came to Alabama as a homegrown Tuscaloosa player, and I never would have dreamed in a million years when I showed up, and that guy Najee Harris is here. Right. Oh my gosh. Right. Well, guess what. Najee had seven carries for 43 yards, 6.1 average, and a touchdown. Great. But Brian had seven carries for 34 yards and averaged a respectable 4.9 yards a carry. And and his longest carry was 11 yards, and Najee Harris was 12. Now, Najee's done some great things on the field, and so has Brian. The reason I give those two examples is both of them are thinking, right now, we are so glad we came to play for Coach Saban because – most guys would not have with a Damon Harris and a Bo Scarborough, right? From from just a running back standpoint. And so if these guys are buying in, it makes it very scary because you and I both know as all the years we've been doing this podcast, how many times the two-headed monster, running back number 1 got 20 carries, running back yep. number 2 got 10 carries, right? Yep. And then wide receiver, how many times when Amari Cooper was here did he get 9 catches? And a couple other guys got one catch. Yes. Well, guess what? Jalen threw 15 or completed 15 passes. He only attempted 20, excuse me, 19. I'm okay with that. Excuse me. He was 12 of 19. I'm, you know, those are my stats, right? 12 of 19 for 200 yards. I'm totally okay with that. Right. And then, and then literally though, of his, of the 15 guys who caught balls from him and Tua, Calvin Ridley had 25% of them. Well, Calvin probably should have 25% of them, sure, right? Sure, sure. But, but here's the other exciting thing. The running backs are getting, in my opinion, 
the reason the reason this team has averaged over seven yards a carry in the last two weeks is because you don't know where they're coming from and they're running in every hole and they're running to the left and they're running to the right and they're doing traps left and right and they're doing counters right they're doing all kind of things well the same thing with the wide receivers yep i would argue a cam sims who had one catch for 60 yards the reason it was for 60 yards is because we're so unpredictable right now right and so and so very quickly calvin ridley had a respectable 15 yards a carry excuse me a catch well great guess what one two three four guys had more yards per catch than he did right why right because of this versatility so we just I, I guess i'm making a big deal of this for the listeners because we have not seen this since we've been doing this podcast what, we, what you and i have witnessed in the past two weeks from this offense and we can count the number of shows we've done we've never seen this ever and we've seen it two weeks in a row now no and we have talked and talked about you know being multiple and how tough that is to defend we are seeing it in a way that we've never seen it before and and you know the last two weeks have, have certainly been explosive but you know it we almost forget that the fresno state and the colorado uh state game you know well we scored 41 points in those games that's nothing to sneeze at and the ball distribution now i'll give you the the the, the florida state and i think that's sort of a different thing but the colorado and the, and the fresno game you know we scored 41 points and there was a lot of ball distribution going on in those games, you know, tight ends and running backs and and multiple receivers uh, catching the ball. We, you know, those guys, you know, 41, only 41. <laughs> that's what you think after a 59 and a 66. But, you know, that's four pretty impressive weeks of uh, putting points on the board. No, no, that's true. And real quick before we go to another topic on, on offense real quick, I would say today, okay, I would argue today if we were playing Florida State again, okay, with their starting quarterback healthy, right, it would be a different game. I mean, I just pulled these stats up because you had me curious. Tell me if this sounds familiar. Jalen, 10 passes were caught in the uh, Florida State game. Calvin really caught seven. Two two, two running backs each caught one, right? That sounds like old stats, right? And so right now, what they're doing right now, if we played Florida State again with a healthy quarterback, I think we score more than 24 points. Well, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, I, I don't think we were ready to see that on on the field. Uh, it's one thing to sort of practice it. It's another thing. You know, we've, you know. Oh, it was too early. Know. It was the number three team in the country. I get what you're saying. I'm just saying it'd be fun to see that same game now if we could just replay the game again with the personnel we're running now. Right. No, I agree. And so whoever, you know, the Florida State proxy is as the season goes on, um, get ready <laughs> no absolutely well tell me tell me what else jumped out at you on offense i'm gonna you know we grazed upon this i i, I just wanted i just want to touch it one more time from a little different angle we are continuing to see the development and, and you can almost call it out every week we're continuing to see the development of of jalen hurts I mean, you know, he was, like you said, 12 of 19 for 200 yards. That's kind of in the wheelhouse of where we want him, him to be. But out of, out of you know, those seven incompletions, there were a couple drops. Uh, there were a couple misses. There, he, he was off, misfired a couple of times, but not, you know, not egregiously. Uh, no turnovers. 
And uh, and I think the, he threw the the ball away a couple times. So you know I think you can you can dissect that seven a little bit, and you can you can feel kind of good about it. Uh, I think he threaded <clears throat> some really nice passes. I think he, he checked the ball down to uh, a second receiver uh, a couple of times, and I don't think that he was as quick to run as we saw earlier in the season. And so I just I just point to his continued development and. You know, it's not going to be, and we've said this enough times, right? It's it's not going to happen overnight. But if he if he does a little bit better, a little bit of improvement, shows you a little bit more uh, every week, then you know, and you get you know, and we're approaching. I don't know how already the half point, you know, halfway, you know, the first month of the season. But you know, as we get, you know, the next couple of weeks, we hit the halfway mark. You start to get into November. All of a sudden, you forget that this guy has 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 really matured, and all of a sudden, he's a truly effective quarterback. Well, I don't think I'd go there yet. Um, I, I, I'm just I saying that, if he maintains his pace. Yeah, I, I think that I, I think that you are going to be more apt to 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 maybe give him a little more progression uh, than I will. I, I will recognize his effort, either coaching, either they're telling him to. Or, or he's trying to catch himself or a combination of the two, I do think there is an effort to try to sit in the pocket. I think there is an effort to try to read a second progression. He's sure. not in a third progression yet, but I think he's trying to get to a second progression. You know, this team, you know, in, in the, you know, this, in the very first series of, the play when 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 Alabama gets a stop to you know three plays and out to start with and we start off at their 46 yard line you know he has a second and six at the 42 and incomplete pass to Robert Foster and then he's got a third and six and just you know just totally misses Calvin Ridley and overthrows yep. him and should have hit him and and we have to punt right at their 42 right mm-hmm. like you get a big break to start the game and I remember after this happened and thinking, man, what a missed opportunity, right? I mean, this yep. is a momentum, this is a momentum changer for Ole Miss. And ironically, you know, if, if I turned to you right there in the stadium and would have said, after we punted the ball, do you think we put up 66 points, right? You probably wouldn't have given me 50, right? Just based on that right. little series of plays. Right. And so so back to your 12 of 19, two of his incompletions came on the very first two passes he made. Uh, he tried one time in the end zone to try to thread the needle, you know, tighter than I would have liked for him to try. But, you know, I said early on, I want this guy to run eight to ten carries. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a couple, uh, there was a couple, and I want those to be the pocket breaks down and let me just sure. move the chains. Well, there was a couple times that there was a called run from him. And then there was a couple, there was one time I think that Tua when he was in the game, also had a called yes. run. I don't like those. I don't want to put. The, I don't want to put the quarterback in harm way when we have six, you know, running backs in the stable. Right. But but he has made some. He has made progress from week to week with both sitting in the pocket, trying not to run twenty times a game. When he does run the ball, he tries to go out of bounds. He tries not to take a hit. He doesn't seem to be taking as many shots as he was taking against Florida State. Right. So all of those things, I think, are improvements. That, that for, for you know whatever the circumstances that's causing all that to happen, uh, I, I definitely feel better about it now than I did against Florida State. 
Yeah, yeah, and and that and you know, and those are the instances of the incremental improvement, right? And the, and they sort of sort of you know come together and sort of gel uh, over time. So I I you know I I am pleased in that regard. I'm pleased with uh, with what we're seeing. Uh, anything else you want to hit on offense, or you want to go mini game ball? No, I think we're good. I I, I think I'm gonna let you go first, so that uh, so that I don't steal yours. So who do you who do you have for mini game ball? Well, I've got two, and I hope they both. Uh, I hope they both are selected. I am gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Josh Jacobs, uh, and I know we talked about him, but you know the two rushes for 51, quite effective. Uh, the two catches for 36. You know he was out. You know the first couple of weeks of the season, and we talked about you know how does he sort of fit back in, and uh, we thought maybe we'd have a package for him, and I think we saw a little bit about uh, a little bit of that. Uh, he's a little bit big, uh, a little bit bigger than last season, but gosh, he even seems faster than he was last season. And uh, I really love the way we deployed him uh, on the on the pass, the little misdirection uh, with Jalen's uh, Jalen's run, and that's kind of using his legs as 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 sort of a distraction, if you will, for the defense. Uh, it, that's going to pull the defense towards him, and then for him to stop, set, turn, throw, you know, for the touchdown. I just think that is a nice play design. I, I like the concept. I like the design. I think we have a package for Jacobs, and uh, I, I think that he is going to be a weapon as the season progresses. Well, it's hard to imagine having a package for you know your third or fourth string tailback, right? Right. Uh, especially after he got hurt, kind of when he did last season, and you know obviously lost some ground to Bo, right? At the time. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and give me your second one because I think you will enjoy saying it, and 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 that way I won't use it. Well, I mean, you know, I I, I don't, you know, it, it feels kind of funny to give Ronnie Clark uh, the mini game ball two weeks in a row, but we had a lot. Of, you and I like literally had a lot of fun. You know, there's, you know, there's, I don't know what the clock was. There was a lot of time left on the clock, and it's like, how do we not score here as proficient as the offense, you know, has been. And, um, and, and we, you know, we kind of kidded that, well, one of the ways you do that is you bring in Ronnie Clark. And, that, gosh, that probably sounds horrible. But, you know, the thought is, you know, he, he's, he's an upperclassman. He's had a, a couple of Achilles injuries. And so you, you wonder, you know, is he going to have the extra burst? Is he going to have the speed? And, and we were literally, and not in a cruel way, but we were kind of laughing and, and talking about, you know, we're running Brian up the middle. We're running Brian up the middle. We're only going to let him run up the middle. And then we bring, and then we bring in Ronnie Clark. And, and I kind of kidded, he'll let Ronnie Clark run to the outside. And, uh, and then, you know, he did, and he had a nice run, really just happy for the kid. And then he scored a touchdown, which against, you know, Vanderbilt, coach didn't want him to score that touchdown. Against he didn't Ole want to score. Yeah, he wanted yeah, to I think against Ole Miss, he, he didn't mind, you know, hitting you know throwing 60 on them and uh and and so just the excitement that the team had i mean he scored the touchdown and 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 coach made a point like yeah we kind of got away with one we could have been penalized for you know excessive celebration of people on the field without helmets and stuff like that but uh just you know i don't know maybe a third of the team you know, went down and sort of celebrated with him in the end zone. And that was a pretty cool moment. I like that. I think you stood up and clapped, and and uh, I, I just think that was a really cool moment. And it's just one of those things, right? You, you can think about, 
you know, Saban is, is inhuman. He's a robot and, and just a dictator and, and the kids don't have fun, but they win. No, I, that's just not true. You're not close to the program if that's what you really believe. And to see a moment like that where, you know, Ronnie has battled back from so much and his teammates uh, respect and appreciate him so much that they wanted to celebrate that moment with him. I just think that's awesome. I mean, I, I could go on about that. I just think that's super cool. So does he get the mini game ball or does Saban get the mini game ball for, you know, being the mastermind of bringing him in when he did? Well, the way that you sort of butcher the mini game ball, you would give it to like the bus driver who drove the bus to the game so the player could score the play. I'm giving it I'm I'm giving it to Ronnie Clark. All right. So I think Saban gets a part mini game ball in that. And 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 I do have to take a second and, and just kind of talk about that drive for a second. Um, before we flip the field, because there was 15 minutes left in the game, right at that point, and and they are up 59 to three, and and we start at the nine yard line, and he sits there and brings in Brian Robinson to run the ball. Uh, Derek Keith gets his pass, right, which yep. is interesting, right? Derek Keith comes in at that moment, right? So Brian Robinson runs a few times, and then he gets a blow, and Najee Harris comes in, and then and then Brian Robinson comes back in. And now we have first and 10 at the 20. And that's when he brought in Ronnie Clark. And so just for the listeners who might not have noticed that, you know, that was absolutely pointed, right? I mean, like, (laughs) he let these two freshmen, you know, studs take them from the nine-yard line to the 20. Okay, got a fresh set of downs, first and 10 on the 20. All right, Ronnie, it's your time. That was just – that was cool, man. I I enjoyed that a lot. I know know Ronnie has had – a lot of injuries and and so you can certainly question his durability but he looks good he looks good out there running the ball oh man i mean i mean for for him he he looked well it just shows you the depth of this program right, right. and it just shows you uh seeing a guy with two achilles injuries in two different years coming back and having the success that he is having right what else is that going to do very quickly? That is going to motivate all of the Ronnie Clarks on the roster, right? Right. That's going to motivate the guys on the roster between 70 and 85, and that's going to motivate the walk-on guys, the guys who never get to see the field. They're going to have an extra pep in their step at practice. I mean, it just changes the whole thing, man. It really does. And so um, I'm going to give my mini game ball because uh, I knew you were going to do Ronnie Clark, so I wanted to let you do it. Um, I'm going to give it to the offensive line. I'm going to give it to the big okay. uglies. And I'm not going to give it to one in particular, but I'm just going to say they kept they kept Jalen pretty clean here. And and we didn't talk about it enough last week, but for two weeks in a row, this guy's had all day to freaking try to learn to be a pocket passer. I mean, he's right. had a lot of time. And this is, you know, this is a, you know, two new offensive linemen and and one a third offensive lineman moving from, you know, to a difficult left tackle position from right tackle. And so um, this bodes well for this unit uh, as we continue getting to the meat of the schedule. Hey, I want to double down on the offensive, uh, the performance of the offensive line, and and really their development. I think they've looked better and better as the as the season goes on. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you call out a stat that we were talking about before we started recording. And 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 I think about that stat in the context of and I can't remember the exact number, but it really speaks to the running backs going out for routes. And yeah, so yeah, so profootballfocus.com uh you know a, 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 an article we read had kind of con- gave given the 
uh, given the nod to pro football focus for, yeah. for this stat. But, you know, Bo Scarborough and uh, Josh Jacobs, you know, they were in for 31 of the offensive plays in the football game. Uh, but of the 31 plays that they were in the game, they they went out into uh, they went out into the pass route 15 times. So 15 of those 31 times, we took the single back in the backfield and uh, we sent him out in the pass pattern and left those five offensive linemen to take care of uh, blocking by themselves. That's exactly right. That's exactly the, the the point I wanted to make. You have to have a lot of confidence in your front five not to keep that back in. Uh, not to keep them in to block, and so the fact that that we, you know we ran them, and maybe it's a delay route or whatever, but to, to run them on routes speaks a lot to the confidence you have in the line and the confidence you have in the quarterback, uh, and then the fact that they can run, they can sort of self protect, uh, maybe in ways that other guys can't. But I just I just think that that is that's a really cool stat. It really speaks to uh, the offense trying to be multiple spread the ball, distribute the ball in a lot of different ways. And uh, it really speaks to sort of the old axiom, you win the ball in the, tr- you know, you win the game in the trenches. And you can't send all those, guys on, those, all those guys out on routes if you can't block up front. Uh, and so I think that's a really cool stat. We're seeing a lot of cool stuff, but you can't forget the big guys up front. No, absolutely. Well, let's flip the field on defense, man. I think just like we talked about the versatility on offense, you know, we came out of that Florida State game having lost five linebackers to injury, and and we saw the rabbit rushers and you know guys coming in and uh, uh, special situations on third down to to blitz the quarterback from the edge and the you know in the in the star position and mm-hmm. just just different things like this early on and and we thought that you know we thought that this ability to uh, play a lot of guys was going to be hampered right losing five guys in the first week of the season yep well, obviously a couple of these guys have you know obviously we've gotten some of these guys back which is which is very helpful and and we talked about Rashawn Evans and and what he meant when he came back along with Jennings but you know there's a lot of guys getting a lot of run here uh that didn't get run against Florida State and so you know not to beat the dead horse, but, you know, this is not, you know, we, we don't have the we, – we thought coming into the season we weren't going to run 12 guys at defensive line uh, because we just didn't have them, you know, after losing the Jonathan Allens of the sure. world and Dalvin Tomlinson's of the world. And, and I didn't count how many defensive line ran through in this game. And granted, when you're up, you know, 66-3, to three, you can do that. But just like we said on offense, keeping guys healthy – you know, you never know what's going to happen. Just like you know, just like we had uh, an injury to hand, uh, playing a lot of guys, and a lot of guys are getting some valuable experience that's going to help us when we play the Auburns of the world. Yes, absolutely. It keeps it. It's the it's the same thing we talked about on offense, right? It keeps people fresh over the course of the season. It you know sort of limits their their play, so their the injury exposure is is less. If someone does go down, it's you can absorb that. All of those things are are true. And then when you get into you know a real intense game and you need to shorten your bench, you can. Uh, but then you have uh, a lot of guys that you can run out there. You know, we did talk about uh, a couple of different uh, additional thoughts on the defensive line. We did talk about the inability to get pressure from the defensive line and having to blitz uh, and getting the linebackers help that. But of the four sacks, three came from the DL. So that was really good to see. Um, 
also like the fact that, and, and you know, you alluded to this as well. Uh, we're seeing a lot more of the the you know the second tier guys, if you will, uh, step in. You know, Quinnen played uh, a good bit more, and and he had a couple of big plays. Um, you know, seeing more of Josh Frazier, uh, seeing him almost as a staple in the rotation as opposed to an exception, and that be a good thing. Last year, that wouldn't have been a good thing. Uh, so, uh, so I'm I'm glad of that. I still think this. There's a lot of growth and development and opportunity for this this defense to to improve. I almost said this a couple of weeks ago, and I wish I had uh, because it sounds fabricated now. But I almost said, you know, and and go back to the show. There's a couple of weeks ago. I think it was the Colorado State game, and everyone was kind of down on the defense. I said, I, I said this def, the defense is missing five linebackers. They're going to start to come back, and this defense has just a world of opportunity to get better and, and sort of blossom. And I so wish I had said this then because I, I thought it, uh, you know, during what, even as we were recording the show, I said, this defense has opportunity, you know, opportunity to get so big that, that we could go O for a month, right? We could, we could shut out a month and, and here we are, you know, two games and we've only allowed three points. And so, you know, four consecutive shutouts, that's, that's a little bit of hyperbole, but three points in two games, that ain't bad, and I still think this defense can get better. So let, let's check back when we get sort of at the end of October. <laughs> What's a defense doing then? And I think it's going to be even more impressive than it already is. No, that is possibly true. And, um, you know, we, we played a lot of guys. We, we played 27 guys on defense here, I counted. Yep. And, and, you know, just to, to say both sides of that, I think it's fair to say right now of the of playing a lot of guys, it's really in the front seven. And so we, we've rotated, you know, the, a high majority of those came in the front seven. Uh, obviously, the, the Minkas and the Ronnies and the Averitts and the Hootie Jones of the world, you know, they, they got a lot of snaps. Yeah. And they played it, a lot of plays. and It's um, almost a safety blanket, right? It's like, well, we can, in you know, as, as long as we have – you know, the same coverage on top, then we can mix it underneath, right? When you start mixing it on top is where you have a greater risk of, of um, you know, of getting burned. So, oh, sure. Yeah, when you've got a guy like Mika and Ronnie, three-year starters, right, and then you and then Anthony Averitt and, and Hootie Jones are, you know, fifth-year seniors, you know, or, or, or Anthony's a fifth-year senior, you know, it – it does help to think about right there. <laughs> it, it is scary to think about, but it does help to no, no, you're right. Uh, but uh, and it does help to have that experience over the top. We do need to see to be fair and 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 even in you know uh, in our uh, commentary here, we do need to see the progression of Carter and yes. Dante Thompson and you know Diggs and 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 other guys step up uh, because um, you know. They're going to be the guys that are called on next year. And uh, to your point about, you know, having, you know, as long as you got the safeties over the top, you're okay. Uh, right now, it's a good situation. Hopefully, we can see, hopefully, they get more of the coaches' confidence to get brought in earlier than we're currently seeing in these first, in these last two ball games. We are, man, I don't want to fear for next season already, but. Just as you as you were as you were running that through, I started to think about, you know, I think Ronnie and Minka go. I, 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 I and Anthony and Anthony's fifth year senior, so he's Anthony's gone. a senior, and Tony and Brown's a senior, senior, he's gone. Tony Brown Jones is a senior, he's gone. So there's five guys gone. Yeah, 
And so you start to say, oh, I'm sorry, Levi Wallace is a senior. He's gone. That's six. So you've, you said six. Who did you, who did you said someone that I missed? I said, did you say Hootie? I said Hootie, Tony Brown, Averett, Harrison, Minka, and Levi. So six okay. guys okay. gone. Yeah. Yeah. So we're the, and so that's everybody. <laughs> I mean, yep. yep. Not literally everybody, but that, I mean, there's your nickel package, right? Yes. Uh, and, and your dime. Yes. So, so, I mean, in a sense, that is everybody. And so there's going to be a lot of, of spots to fill. Yes, you can see where the recruiting focus will be in this year's class. And it goes back to your, you know, our discussions of all these guys that left for greener pastures, right? Mm-hmm. But yes, right this second, I guess I'm saying, you know, this is our year to make a run here. <laughs> hey, can I make a bold prediction? Sure. Quarterback's going to look good in a day. Yes, yes, that is, yeah, yes, yes. They that there will be a there will be a healthy uh, quarterback competition between the 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 two guys because uh, they will be tossing the ball all over the place right. uh, with these with these now sophomore three sophomore wide receivers. Hey, I want to touch real quick on a couple things. A, I, I just continue. You know, he's not making a lot of like jump out at you plays, but just you know he's still playing very well and. And and him being in the game is is obviously a big thing, you know. Sean Deion Hamilton finished with you know just three solos and a tackle for loss, but two quarterback hurries. And I'm just still just really impressed with how quickly he was able to come back from that injury, which just you just don't come back you know looking like you didn't miss a beat this quickly. Having him in there to enable you know guys like Rashawn just to fly to the ball and and not have to have the brunt of, you know, calling the plays and that kind of stuff. You know, obviously Sean's making some good plays as well, but, you know, just continue to be surprised at, at how quickly he's progressing. Yeah, I completely agree. And I know there's, you know, there's different severities of, of knee injury, and and I haven't researched, you know, this, but, you know, I, I'd always kind of heard that it's that second year back that the players really sort of get back to form. And, and you think of not that long ago, Damian Square, you know, it was that next year before he, he really sort of, you know, looked like he was back to form. And Dante Hightower, that first year back, he didn't really look, you know, fully explosive at all times. And it was that next year that he really, you know, rounded back into form. And you think that, uh, you know, Deion Hamilton, he injured his knee in the SEC championship game. So he is back inside of a year. And, you know, now it's, you know, now we're into October – and he was, you know, he was in fall camp. Yeah. Know? Eight months later, he was in fall camp. Yeah. Right. And so it, he has been back. And so, and I get there's severities and MCLs, ACLs and, you know, all, you know, and, and, you know, what's, what you tear and, and, but, you know, the medical procedures and, and the rehab certainly is contributing as, as well. And he's a guy, I mean, I'm, you know, he's a guy, if you don't like him, you're not paying attention because he's just in there contributing. And a lot of times it's quiet. It's, but it's, and it's subtle. But he is—he is a leader on that defense, and he's impre—he's an impressive one to watch. No, he is, and you know. Also, I want to—I want to talk about real quick. You know, we—we we talked about Saban doesn't have a letter eleven starters on on defense, and you know he obviously has his specialists, and we've talked about rabbit rushers years ago, and and obviously you know based on our earlier commentary, he doesn't have eleven starters on offense either. Well. We've quickly seen the emergence as these linebackers have come back uh, healthy. We've seen the emergence of a Keith Holcomb and a Mac Wilson 
yep. who are rotating in in the basically third and long formation and basically are the two linebackers in the nickel formation. That's kind of interesting because you're, you know, we, we talked a few years ago who was going to replace C.J. Mosley. And we said, you know, years ago, we called out Rashawn Evans. Yeah. And we said Rashawn Evans is going to be the guy that we need to secure that middle of the field. Well, you know, it remains to be seen how Keith Holcomb and Mac Wilson can hold up to teams that really exploit you between the hashes. And you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And, and we haven't seen that yet uh, because of our ability to get pressure on the quarterback from bringing, you know, corner blitzes and this kind of stuff. But, you know, Keith and Mack are coming in and Rashawn Evans and Sean Deion Hamilton are coming out on a key third and five and third and six. And then that's just going to help their experience. And so that's an interesting thing I've noticed here uh, in this last golf ball game. No, I think, you know, and I'd, I'd written, you know, healthy linebackers and, and I'd written Keith Holcomb's name. I think it's, it's a testament to the depth that this team has when you think about those, you know, those couple of weeks when he was pressed into, you know, sort of primary action and how well he played. And then he's getting run, but it's, it's so much less than he was getting. And you think, gosh, that's the caliber of talent that is waiting in the wings. That's darn impressive. And and I thought, you know, I thought this a couple of weeks ago as well, and it speaks to linebacker depth as, you know, as well. And, and again, not, you know, I don't know why sort of I'm projecting so much for next season, but as deficient as we may be in the secondary, we might have the deepest linebacker core in the history of man, because we're going to get, you know, Terrell Lewis and Christian back. And then all of the guys that are playing now this year, uh, think of uh, Christopher Allen and and players like that are going to have that much more experience and sort of ready to go. And in, in the Dylan Moses and and Mac Wilson's getting a lot of run. Man, we're going to be very deep at linebacker. If- no, we are. And what's interesting about you know how how they're doing it right now is because of of it, I mean it's just it's fun to watch, right? This is where you and I just love to break this down and analyze this. Is because you have a Keith Holcomb and a Mac Wilson who can't see the field in front of Sean Deion Hamilton and Rashawn Evans, then a Dylan Moses, who was a stud himself, right? Mm-hmm. You get to bring him in on that same third and five, and he gets to stand up with three guys with their hands in the dirt, and he gets to use his athleticism just to go after the quarterback. Right. And he doesn't have to think a lot, right? Just just go do that. And then you bring in, and, and when he needs a, a breather, you bring in Joshua McMillan to do that. When he needs a breather, you bring in Mika Brown to do that. And so that, to me, is is just why this team is at a different level than other teams. Yep. Other teams have to rely on Dylan Moses to play somewhere else 20 snaps, even if they even have a Dylan Moses on their team. Right. And, and they don't have a Dylan Moses, and we get to use ours eight to ten times a game just to go chase the quarterback. That's just not fair. It's just, it's just, it's apples to oranges. Right. What do you think about, and we've touched upon this, and so we don't have to spend long on it, but I didn't see Ben Davis play. There's got to be something there, right? I mean, he, you would play in a 66 to three home game. He's from Gordo, just right down the road. I mean, there's got to be something there, right? Oh, there has to be something there. And, and, you know, we, 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 we hope it's a medical red shirt. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to mention. You know, I don't want to wish injury. I guess. Uh, let me preface what I mean by that. But he's already used his red shirt. 
Right. And so if there's a, a medical condition keeping him off the field that, that they are keeping under wraps because that's how we do things and, and he can, you know, gain this year of eligibility back, then, uh, you know, while I don't hope he's injured, I hope that's better than, you know, just losing a year of eligibility. Yeah. You know, and, and it, we're not investigating reporters on this. We're just, you know, we're just speculating. And I, you, at some we just, point, we just wonder why, right? Or yeah. now in that kind of pub. Otherwise, why is he not on the field? Yeah, it, it, yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. He's, you know, he's already burned a red shirt. He's already, you know, and so I don't. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I'm going to claim that I don't understand it. Speaking of red, uh, red shirts, uh, defensive lineman LeBron Ray got his first run, and I, I did not even. I, I feel bad. I didn't even notice it at the time, and I know I like to look at personnel rotations and over the course of the game I I think I was just giddy you know as the score was being run up that that I just missed it but you know that's another uh another red shirt burned uh four in in two weeks uh in, in blowout games right so I, that's kind of interesting uh it might be fun to watch him play some more this year then huh Oh, sure, but that that gives you from a standpoint yeah that gives you defensive lineman number nine. Uh, on a team that, you know, runs three guys, you know, showing a formation of, of three, you know, of three, three, five or three, four, four. And so, um, you know, you're, you're bringing in number nine. And so to your point, we've seen, we've seen years under coach Saban where we've burned a red shirt on a guy due to a lot of injuries and he comes in for a few plays in a game, and we never see him again. Yes. And we look back at the end of the season, and we're like, well, those were a good five plays he had. Was that D-liner? It was. Good call. So it does make you wonder, in a score like this, right, why do you bring in uh, the ninth guy in the rotation on a three-down line formation with a stand-up linebacker? Very interesting. It's not bringing in number five to get him experience. You're bringing in number nine. Right. Yeah, I don't know. That's that you know, it'll be interesting and and so you hope you have to hope to think that he's going to get a lot more playing time. Oh and, no. No, no. I I don't think it's the D-liner situation. I absolutely think he's going to get more playing time and I think it just must speak to what we've been talking about on the theme of this podcast. Just keeping guys healthy, keeping guys yeah. less banged up and just running more guys at you. Yeah. And 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 you know, and Deshaun Hand did go down. He left the game. Uh, looks like he's going to be out just a couple of weeks. He's not lost for the season. And so that could be an impetus to and, – and especially in the moment, you don't know how you don't know how bad he's hurt. And so you could say, let's get this guy out here and start getting him some reps now because uh, we don't know what we're going to have to deal with the rest of the season. And so if Hand is back in a couple of weeks, then you would want to bring him along slowly – and so you'd want to, you know, have a plan in place. And maybe the plan has always been if if no one goes down, he keeps his red shirt. If someone goes down, then Brian goes in. And in the moment, you didn't know how bad, you know, you didn't know how bad the, the Sean Hand injury was. You could sit and say it looks really bad, uh, which it did. And, uh, and you say, you know, get him out there. Uh, at a minimum, Hand's going to miss a couple of weeks. And so now we can maintain a similar rotation, even though it's just, you know, it, the, the names will change. No, absolutely. You know, I have to say this real quick, just because you, you've made me think of it, just like we were talking about Brian Robinson with Najee Harris. 
you know, Hand obviously came to this program with a lot of pub, right? That's what happens when you're the number one player in high school football. But once again, you know, Saban gets it, get, seems to get it right with Isaiah Bugs. Yes. I mean, his ability to go and cherry pick guys in the JUCO ranks. And once again, we've been following this program for a long time. We had guys come in and we thought they were the savior out of JUCO under previous coaching staffs during that lovely decade of four head coaches, right? We thought they were going to be the stud. Everybody said they were going to be the stud. You know, for for Bugs to Bugs is Bugs is 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 being a key contributor at his at his uh, very mobile six foot five, two hundred ninety five pound frame. You know, out of Ruston, Louisiana, um, where of course they know how to you know how to how to grow football players. And I just had to touch on it, man, because yeah. you know it it speaks to it speaks to Saban and, and how he's able to to bring in these JUCO guys in in. And, and a lot of times, defensive line positions, because obviously it's a formula that, that he knows works for him. Yeah, I th- you're spot on. And, and and Bugs is everything that we wanted him to be. And I don't I I am a fan of recruiting, and I really 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 enjoy it. I'm I, you know I'm not a recruit Nick, and and I don't you know I don't I don't watch all the videos and and proclaim that I know the best players. But it it was pretty clear, and you don't have to well. I mean, maybe you do, but I was going to say, you don't have to follow the program too close to know that we needed some DLs. And so as I was reading all the the recruiting articles, you know, tell me who the best DL is, and that's the guy we need. And and sort of time and time again, Isaiah Bugs, Isaiah Bugs, Isaiah Bugs. And and plus the fact that he was a JUCO, you know, you don't have, you don't have to worry, is he going to be able to develop? Can he play? Did he play well at the JUCO level? Is he of a certain size and athleticism? Okay, we can plug him in, and it, and at least he can go in and be aggressive, and and consume some snaps, which is really what we needed, and and he's and he's doing you know more than that, and he's going to continue to to develop. So yeah, he's a guy that that, it, and you look at all sort of the five stars in the class, and so you want to be careful saying this, but he's not going to be the talented, most talented guy in the class, but he was the most important guy one of the most important guys that we needed sort of in the here and now and uh i'm glad to see him sort of live up to that no absolutely and i appreciate you doing my mini game ball for me so now what's yours did i do your mini game ball you did man who was your mini game ball bugs is my guy and you just went ahead and gave a little additional information for the listeners so now you can do yours (laughs) i just don't i bet i don't think you had a mini game ball I did, man. It was bugs, but I didn't know you were going to go on and on about him. So well, now I didn't know either. But just I, I got so excited when I started thinking about him. Who, who is who? That was unplanned. What, what unknown player for the listeners are you going to tell us about? You know, I don't. I don't have an unknown player. Uh, I just have a twist on a, on a known player. Anthony Averett. Anthony Averett is just is just. I don't want to say a lockdown corner because I don't, I don't want to be, you know, too hyperbole there, but he is playing at such a level with such skill that the opposing teams continue to go after Levi and Levi is showing that he's no schlub either. And, you know, and he had, you know, two interceptions and one for pick six. And I know you probably want to talk about that uh, a little bit, but, and so Wallace is getting sort of the feel good story, uh, you know, with his walk-on status and the history with his father and, 
And, and then just going out and playing as well as he is, I mean, you can't help but just that God, that's why college football is so awesome. But, you know, Anthony Averett is his own version of why college football is, is so often. And he bided his time and, and sort of played last season sort of under the, you know, as, as the lesser known of, of the DBs. And then this year was going to kind of be his, his, his story, his run. And he's playing every bit as good as all of that. And the, and the fact that he's playing so good is what's given Levi Wallace the opportunity to sort of put his name on the board. And I just think that's an interesting sort of juxtaposition. And so I'm just going to continue to give a tip of the cap to Anthony Averett because if he weren't balling so well, then, you know, the defense wouldn't be as good and, and we'd see a lot more big plays made against the secondary. Well, I think, I think to be fair, you know, I'm very glad that, that Hootie Jones has, has come into his fifth year you know, redshirt senior fifth year season and 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 seized one of those safety positions because had he not done so to Saban's comfort level, you know that's where Mika would be. Yes. And if Mika was there and Tony Brown was thrust into a different role with Mika in the back, I, I think I think Anthony and Tony are seeing different opportunities than right now. And so with Mika being on the other side, Anthony's getting a lot of opportunities. And, yep. and as we talked about, you know, he did bide his time. There was, you know, high-profile high corners who weren't patient. And, you know, this is a guy that didn't get to play much in 16, but last year he finished with eight passes broken up, you know, and 48 tackles on the year. Well, at six foot and running a 4 five forty, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's not a big profile for corner, right? But guess what? He is currently the ninth projected cornerback in next year's NFL draft. How about that? And he's projected to go in the second round. How about that? So I, I say that to you because that makes your feel-good story even better. Yeah. Because he's projected to go between the second and third round, which means his name will probably get called. And uh, a team needs at least four cornerbacks in a game. Uh, in the NFL, and right. if you are picked to go number nine right now, this early in the season, uh, that's pretty awesome. That is pretty darn good. So, uh, what? Anything else on offense or defense before we go to special teams? No, take us to special teams. All right. So, I want to talk about digs. Uh, I want to talk about the fumble. Uh, I'm not criticizing the fumble, but I just want to talk about that's why he got hurt. Um, I did get a chance and go back and, and rewind that one play several times. And unfortunately, you know, it's com- you know, it just as human nature, when the ball got popped up and, and he's, his, his body's kind of uh, tweaked around and, and he's trying to find the ball, which is five yards away from him, et cetera, he was kind of stood up like a statue. And he mm-hmm. had guys laying all on his, uh, you know, laying all on his lower body there. And, and literally that's why he got rolled up on. So it is unfortunate that here he is trying to stay upright and try to find the ball. And, you know, it's easy, it's easy from my, you know, my spot in the stadium to say, just go down, right. You right. know, don't, don't get twisted and turned up there. Uh, but that's why he got hurt. Yeah. And, uh, and, and hopefully it, it's minor, but, but that is unfortunate. And then I also wanted to talk about, you know, your, your, your boy, the super punter who also, you know, gets to come into the game and, and test his leg out on a 48 yard field goal. Uh, and, and looked pretty effortless doing it. Uh, just kind of neat that, that we have a weapon like J.K. Scott. You know, I sat there and watched him in warm-ups to begin the second half, and I, I kind of got your attention to, 
to look at it because I know you've done this many times and and just I sat there and watched him about ten times in a row, you know, just drill the ball from about midfield and just drop the balls at the two and three yard line time after time after time. And and it's just like, wow, you know, that's just fun to watch. And that's not something we've seen in Alabama for a long time. It it has been I I don't know what my issue is today, but he's just another guy that we're really gonna miss. And and it's and it's been a nice, you know, from from the time that he came in and sort of proved himself, it's been nice not to have to worry about punting for four years. Which we've always had to worry about punting, right? I know, I know. I know. You could take any other single season, and I have worried about punting in that season more than I have in the last four years combined. And you know what's funny about that comment is I remember back when Saban was at LSU one year that they came to Tuscaloosa and just just whooped us up good. That he had a great punter then. Yep. And we had a we had a crappy punter. <laughs> and yep. they kept getting the ball like at the 50-yard line time after time after no, time. No, I I, rem- I remember that and I remember just watching him in warm-ups and just marveling cuz it was like he was having fun. And there, and I, I, and this is what it looks like when you're watching J.K. Scott. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just out there having fun. Like, oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do this. And I can't remember. I can't remember like the full sort of thing. But he was like, there was some guy on on the other team that was you know facing the other direction, and that you know he like, and he was laughing like and pointing, and and he ha- hit a ball that just gently rolled down and like bumped the guy's leg, and it's like. I, I mean, you couldn't do that if you wanted to, but he was just doing it for grins, and he just laughed when the guy turned around. Like it's like I don't know. That is a that is a unique kind of talent to be able to do that, and to think that we have a punter that's you know that's sort of on that level. That's pretty darn cool. Oh, absolutely, man. He came in as a freshman and did fifty five punts on the year, averaging forty eight yards a punt with a seventy three yard long punt. Right as yeah. a true freshman. Yeah. And so I say that to you. Because he literally uh, has been called on to do 55 punts, then 70 punts, and last year 64 punts. And uh, I hope Saban's got some good leads on some good punters for next year because that has been a huge part of this program for the past four years. Just just insane. Um, I thought Ruggs looked – you know, you mentioned Diggs. That's two weeks in a row that Diggs has dropped the ball. Last week it was, you know, in field in fielding the ball. And then we recovered. And then last uh and then you know, and then Saturday, you know, it was knocked loose as he was running. And so two different things, but both ball you know, ball protection and you know, the you know, protect the ball. Um and you know, and and possess the ball. That's that's the number one sort of thing. And so he's gotta work on that. I like rugs, you know, seeing rugs get some opportunity. I think he's going to continue to to do that, uh, and then obviously it looks like he might be the guy. Uh, oh, and, and his one, and you know, and he had a, he did good with his opportunities, right? I mean, he had yeah. he had one punt return for sixteen yards. So, yeah, he looks good. He looks fluid. He looks really good. And so, you know, this week, uh, and we can transition into next week's opponent. But this week, uh, you know, I know that Diggs was sort of day to day with the with the foot, and so I don't. I don't know what you know day to day is going to bring by Saturday, but I have to think that even if even if he can go, that we probably pull back the reins a little bit, and so I think Rugg sees a little more action 
at punt return. And that's just one of those things. Wasn't it good that we've put him out there each of the last several weeks to get a couple of catches? So just like what we talked about. There. Yes. Yeah. And before we talk about next week's opponent, man, uh, Levi Wallace is going to be pissed at us, man. How's uh, that? Because he had two picks on the game, and 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 we're not giving the boy any love here. So we apologize with your two interceptions for sixty six yards. Um, well, we, we we obviously we we alluded to it, but we didn't really spend enough time on it. So we we have to talk about this here before we wrap up this uh, this old Miss game. I think it's Saban's fault. Because it used to be that if anybody made a big play, that's what we talked about. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because that's all you know. That's all there was. Now we've got so many different people, you know, making plays. Somebody gets left out. And, but think uh, about the fact. I'm sorry. Think about the fact of what you just said. Right, that at the end of our show, we're talking about a guy who is the only guy that had an interception for either team. Yeah, and he had two of them. And one he took back for a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, you know, you as as a as a. You know, as a DB, it doesn't really get any better than that. And right. and and that was sort of our oh, yeah thing. Oh, yeah. And one more thing, just Najee Harris, right place at the right time to recover the Diggs fumble. Yes. Uh, you know, yes. this is his second big special teams play, his first one against Florida State. So here you are, you know, following the, the path of other uh, big-name recruits before you. Uh, a la Trent Richardson, who made his name on special teams as a true freshman and and just really made a couple key special teams plays already this early on the season. Yeah. Well, see, now I've got to say this, right? And I'm not trying to just out, outdo you, but I just keep thinking of that next thing. But we talked last week about Brian, Brian Robinson when he took off his – you know, his red shirt, and so, you know, the opportunity we're going to see him play more, and we we speculated that that may be an opportunity to see him more on special teams. He played on part return. I know, man, and you you called it out at the time, man. That was a great call on your part. That was awesome. I, I so enjoyed seeing that, like, yep, yep. I know um, you did. Well, let's, let's talk about these Aggies, man, because they come in four and one. Uh, they, they had their shootout game against Arkansas for seems like the sixth year in a row where yep. they go into quadruple overtime or double overtime or blah, 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 and both teams have no defense, uh, and both teams almost put up 50 points yep. you know, in, in Jerry world. And both teams um, should have lost. And both teams should have lost. So, so obviously, right, we're, we're not as, you know, we're not as concerned about the defense coming into this game and, and obviously, the true freshman looked pretty good when when he got his opportunities for them. What what do you expect in this ball game? I think just as you said, they play sort of the the groundhog game against uh, against Arkansas, and we've played some close games with them. We've lost some games with them, and we've pounded them a couple times. And so we've sort of run the gamut. I I think I think this is <laughs> this is closer to the pound them again type of game. I don't know. I mean, I will drive to Gary Danielson's house and shake his hand if we beat them 59 to, to nothing again. I don't think we do that. I do think we really put it on them. I mean, their offensive stats are, you know, they've quietly, you know, like you said, kind of become 4-1. Uh, and one. They easily could be, probably should be 2-2, two and two, you know, and, you know, maybe, well, it wouldn't be 2-2. Two and two. I guess it would be 3-2. and two. Um you know, they probably should be, you know, they're averaging 37, better than 37 points a game. They're averaging over, you know, 440 yards a game. And so on that hand, you want to say, hey, this is a dangerous team. But I don't know, wasn't Ole Miss supposed to be dangerous offensively? You know, 400 yards and 40 points. And and um, I think that 
I think that, you know, A&M's defense is going to be a little bit better, but, I, you know, I don't think that much better. Uh, and, and, and better is relative because they are allowing a, a lot of points. I think this is a team we beat 43 to 13, something like that. I think they, I, I think, at, you know, at times they might have some success moving the ball. I think they get a couple field goals. Um, but I think, I think we hang, I think, you know, I think we bust 40 on them. And uh, it might be close for a quarter. I, you know, I think it's 10, I think it's 10 at half. And then, and then I think it sort of goes from there. Well, this is a team that definitely plays us better at their house than they do at our house. You know, they, they, uh, you know, we, we, we beat them 41 to 23 uh, two years ago after a really close game back in 2013. Um, but this is a team that has lost a lot of players. You know, they mm-hmm. lost some key guys on defense. Um, this is also a team that I don't think has really, you know, they've gotten away from their ability to establish the run and, yes. and, and really use the run to set up the pass, which was, you know, kind of their thing and their trademark for, for many years. And they've got a lot of youth on this team. And, you know, I'm going to surprise you here, but uh, for the third week in a row, we're going to score over 50 points. Wow. And um, I, I think we're going to beat them 52 to seven, and and we're going to sit here and and be shocked at uh, at the at the number of points that that Saban uh, will have run up uh, in three consecutive weeks. Um, so I, I see a 52 to seven ball game. Wow. Well, I hope you're right. <laughs> I I think the conference hope the rest of the conference hopes I'm wrong though. Hey, so let me just throw this out to you. Now, I want to sort of get your – so we're playing Texas A&M. Man, that Christian Kirk is really talented. What do you think? What Does does he sort of instill fear in you? Um, Just give me a real authentic reaction to that. No. Okay. Now, 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 now explain that. Elaborate on that. Well, Okay. No, he he is a dynamic player. I think he might be the the most dynamic player on their team offensively and probably has been for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, starting as a true freshman, um, I, I think that he brought a lot of excitement and playmaking capabilities to their offense and was probably, you know, outside uh, outside of, you know, one other running back, excuse me, one other wide receiver that's that's come before him. I think he is arguable, arguably the best wide receiver they've had in quite some time. Sure, I'm sure. just not I'm just not comfortable with their ability uh, to get him the ball in space to make enough plays with the weapons that that we have on defense. No, so, I, I no, I completely agree. And they've had you know Mike Evans was really really good and he was tall, which made him a little more dangerous. Uh, you know, sort of he a was one of those one in a lifetime type of players. Yeah, it really. And, uh, you know, at a school like that, yes. I think, you know, last year their receiving core was was deeper and scarier with Speedy Noel along with Christian Kirk. It seemed like there was another guy. But and, – and so I – and I wasn't – I just – I wanted to get your sort of thought on, you know, Christian Kirk. And and here, here's here's why I want to go with that. And this is where we're spoiled by Saban because I, I take absolutely nothing away from Christian Kirk. This is not me not liking Christian Kirk. This is me trusting Saban. And so if you if you're gonna if you're gonna tell me a team, oh, they have one just really superstars weapon, you gotta watch out for him. That used to would make me think, oh yeah, we do have to watch out for him. But you know, under Saban, I'm like, is it just one? Okay, I'm not worried about one. <laughs> you know, no, you're right. And it's easier to take that one away, right? 
And that's what Saban does. Like, what yes. is your best thing? Okay, I'm, I'm going to take that away and now beat us with your next best thing. And so it's like, I don't know, if you had three Christian Kirks, then let's talk. But but with Saban, it's like, well, the first one and a half isn't going to bother me. No, and, 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 and because of our ability to run a lot of guys out there, um, I think we have the ability to to take him away, to scheme for this quarterback to beat us by going other places. I mean, he comes into the season – excuse me, he comes into this game with 23 catches on the year. Yeah. And so, as we talked about a minute ago on offense, right, they've only got two receivers that's had over 10 catches. Okay, actually, they only got three receivers on their team that's had over four catches on the entire season. So they they are a top heavy team, and um and I and I think that that is definitely going to be a focus uh, this in, in you know in practice this week. Yeah, I think you're right, and and then you add to that, you know, uh, and and the quarterback has demonstrated some some athleticism, and he was sort of pressed into action, but you know he's a freshman, and so I mean I don't know maybe I don't start to like your score a little bit better because. Um, you know, give me a freshman quarterback against Saban and with one, you know, primary receiving weapon uh, and not a strong running game. And and you start to get a recipe for um, a lot of three and outs. not scoring many points. Yeah, a lot of three and outs, right? Yeah, yeah. So, all right, all right. Hey, can I want to – anything else on special teams or just – Anything else about Ole Miss? No, man. I'm 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 ready for uh, I'm ready for a nug, another big uh, blowout win, man. Which I can't believe I'm sitting here saying that, but yeah, I'm ready for it. No, I th- I think well, I think we're going to get it right, and and we're days away. I want to do a big blowout fan review from uh, comments on iTunes. So so Tommy, you know we you know we read a couple of these. We try to read them all uh, as they come up, you know, especially in season. And uh, and last week we said we were getting close to 100 uh, reviews. And so we're not quite there, but we're close. Uh, but, Tommy, in the last week we've had six five-star reviews. Wow. That so is that's awesome. pretty cool. So I, w- I want to run through these really quick. And I have one that you're going to love and you're going to hate. And I'm going to do that one last. Perfect. So I've got uh, I've got Clinty. Uh, Clinty eight, and there's a there's a little bit of a theme. A uh, couple of folks say the same thing. Okay. Uh, Clinty eight says one is not enough. Uh, have been listening to this podcast since 2015 religiously. Live in Houston, uh, Houston Texas. Hope he's uh, hope the storm didn't affect him and his family. Uh, the hurricane. Uh, so not many opportunities to hear uh, talk about the tide on the radio like back home in Alabama. Great insights and analysis is entertaining as well. Once a week is not enough. Could easily see a recap and a preview uh, show. But anyways, keep up the the great work. You know, Tommy, when my financial planner calls me and says that he has made me wealthy so that I can retire, we will record more than once a week. Sounds like a plan, man. Sounds like a plan. So, uh, Luke, uh, Lukey Bear, uh, Lukey Bear, two two six zero. I look forward to listening to this podcast every week. They always uh, they always pick on so much that I miss. I catch myself guessing who might win the mini game ball as I watch the games. Tommy has made that increasingly difficult to do. Uh, this is my third season listening. I uh, hope to get hope to get to listen to many more. That's really cool. I'm going to skip that one and come back. Graves nine keeps me up to date here in Sweden. Sweden, man, the Swedes are listening. Happy to uh, hear. Happy to hear listening in Sweden, man. That's awesome. That is awesome. 
so listening here, in, uh, it keeps me up to date here in Sweden with uh, uh, in-depth uh, game recaps, uh, breaks down, breakdown of the game. A must podcast for any Bama fan. Great insight to the uh, to the program in general. Uh, our preview show of upcoming games would not be missed. Otherwise, great work. So everyone's wanting more. That's awesome. This is uh, BDBDJD. Chad, I'm running out. I can't even read it. Uh, it's a lot of J's and K's and B's and D's. Uh, best Bama podcast out there. That is awesome. Uh, Raves from Seattle. This is, I think, Emma Lala in Seattle. Uh, love this show. I live in Seattle, but my son attends the University of Alabama. Roll Tide. Uh, I enjoy getting the inside scoop on Bama football and the game commentary, as well as previews of upcoming games. Keep it up. Um, it's Steve. It's Steve Siddall. So, Emma, L.A., L.A., okay. Uh, AL. But uh, thank you, Steve, for that. And, Tommy, I love this one because I love what it says, and I love also anticipating sort of the hilarity of comment that you will have after this one. Uh, and I promise I did this not. This has been another one. edition of the Alabama football podcast. <laughs> I, d- I did not write this one. BFD four. the perfect show if you want to take your knowledge of Am- Alabama football to the next level. Dave has got some great insights. That is awesome, man. That is awesome. We appreciate you listening, man. Dave does have his moments from time to time. I, I didn't submit that one, but if you'll tell me where to submit the check, I will uh, take care of that. So now, guys, y'all know, man, Dave's been submitting a lot of these. That's why, you know, he has to come up with the B's and the D's and the J's and the G's. That's right. <laughs> he has to make them sound as, as unobvious as he possibly can. Uh, hey, man, if you are a loyal Dave listener, man, then that means you're still a listener of the show. And so uh, roll tide, man, and I'll try to do a better job for you next week. Well, Tom's not so bad either, and so all the all the all the all the Tom fans can go out there and, and leave comments for him. So that'd be great. Hey, man. Hey, we had six, right? We're gonna have yeah. seven next week. They're all gonna talk about Tom. <laughs> hey, guys. Everybody, write in. So let's talk about Tom next week. That's good, right. bad, the ugly. Let's just have a Tom edition, man. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. All right. Hey, no, really, we appreciate this. It's it's sort of humbling and 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 flattering. You know, we're as much as we would love to do this for a living. I think, I think we know our limitations. Uh, but Diane, you know, we really love this. And we've been doing this forever, and and uh, you know, Tommy, we would call each other at work and just like burn an hour talking football. And so the fact that we're doing this in a forum where other people get to hear it and interact with us, that is just awesome. That is just the internet is cool in some ways. No, it absolutely is. And you know, Dave, I think you need to take a, a quick second, man, and, and give a and give a nod to somebody behind the scenes that that kind of helps make this possible for us. Oh man, I you know we've got the best producer going, uh, Brian in Canada. He's studying engineering, and he is phenomenal at helping turn around these shows and uh, making us uh, making us sound uh, good, which I know is, is a challenge, but. Um, you know, he puts the so the intros and outros and, and puts the show together and and edits out all, all the stuff that shouldn't be in the show. He does a phenomenal job. And so uh, and he's been working with us since not since day one, but since maybe season two. Yeah. Ish. I can't remember exactly when. So he's been with us a long time and uh, and he's a lot of fun. Uh, and we certainly enjoy working with him as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, hey, this was a lot of fun and uh, appreciate the comments and, and appreciate, you know, the opportunity to kind of share a little bit behind the scenes 
Tom, you know, we're traveling to uh, Texas A&M next week. You know, either your score or my score, we're putting up a lot of points, and they're not. So that's kind of what we want. So definitely looking forward to – I'm not going to Texas, but I'm looking forward to sitting down and uh, and taking a look at that one. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to talking about it next week. Fantastic. Well, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and, of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.